Hi everyone, this is J.P. Ross of J.P. Ross Fly Rods and Company, and welcome to In the Scene Podcast. It's a really cold day in February in upstate New York, and we were going to go to camp, but notice that the weather was minus 13 degrees in Inlet, New York, and um, we actually interviewed Rich Burson of Are You Fishing Yet? Charters for this podcast, and there was a 100 degree difference between... Um, us here and him down in Isla Morada, Florida, and that's cold. And uh, anyway, we wanted to have a podcast here to invite people down to the Florida Keys and do some fishing like we have done. And we kind of believe that there's Key West and then there's the Florida Keys. And we've got to know the Florida Keys really well. And I'll give you a couple fun facts. Um, the Florida Keys uh, is about 15, 17 miles or so from Miami, which means when there's no traffic, you can get to Alamrata in about an hour. Um, when you first get there, you get to Homestead, and if you take, if you bang a right at Homestead, you can get to Flamingo, and you can see a beautiful part of Everglades National Park. And the Everglades National Park, by the way, is about 7,800 square miles, and the Keys are about 100 miles long about 100 square miles but we know it from its backcountry and the fishing that's there and if you want to reach out to me please do so we've done a lot of fishing there and we just love it and we've met rich burson and his wife bobby and their two beautiful daughters and we've got to know them and we just love fishing down there with them with so much to do so much to see outside of just what's on land We've fallen in love with the backcountry, and we're sure that you will too. So here's Rich Burson in the Scene Podcast. Enjoy. Well, welcome to In the Scene Podcast, Rich. I really do appreciate you being on this call. Um, what's the weather like down in the Keys? Tell us. It's uh, beautiful right now. <laughs> Sunny. Day in, day out. Last week we had a cold front, but this it's like on a warming trend right now. It's like. Uh, you know, probably 80 today. Beautiful so, condition. It's probably a pretty boring job being a weather person in Isla Morada, huh? It's like every day is it's very boring. It's too funny. Every day it's like, oh, it's nice. Back to you, Jim. Um, yep. So Rich Burson from Are You Fishing Yet? Uh, guide service and uh, charters. So Rich, you've been doing this a long time. How long have you been doing this? For over 20 years. That's a long time. That was a long time. So you and I, I would like to say we kind of go way back. We go back pretty good, um, about six years when I came down with Bobby Joe when we were just dating. And she had said she, that she had been to the Florida Keys before. And um, and really what she did is she went to a resort in Key West. She had not seen the Keys like I know it. And um, yep. we booked a trip with you and it was just awesome. So Rich, one of the things I wanted to start with was I think that you actually grew up in Homestead or or down there. There are transplants and there are natives. You are a native. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your um, your heritage, so to speak, uh, being down south? Key Largo, yeah. basically. We come yeah. There. Yeah. We grew up in Homestead, uh, went to school in Homestead, went to South Aid High School and uh, did a lot of fishing as I was a kid all through all the canals and channels and lakes and stuff like that and we'd come down here on the weekends and and fish just about every weekend down here in the saltwater side so it was uh, a nice little getaway for us 
growing up down here because we had a house down here. We come down, spend the weekend, all the long weekends, all the long weeks. And then uh, right out of high school, uh, moved down full time. And then I was back and forth too, you know, because my dad lived in Homestead. My mom lived down here, still married, but they just had two separate places and just back and forth, man. Just as a kid growing up, man, it was a beautiful thing. You know, you had both of both worlds. You know, I'd go on the Everglades on the airboats and swamp buggies and do all that up there and then come down here and fish all the saltwater side, you know, which was awesome. It is. It is awesome. And you know, what's like so cool is that I, you talk to other people that guide and stuff and they're like, yeah, you know, I grew up in Michigan and decided to go out to Montana and all this stuff. But like you have been there and you have done this and it's so cool, which is why it's so authentic when, when we're down there and with you and talking about stuff. And um, in my hometown, when we would drive up to the Adirondacks, it was a two lane road. That's it. Now it's like a four lane road until you eventually get to a certain point and it turns into a two lane road. And I was just curious, like there had, I'm sure you've seen changes in the keys and there's a lot of crap that's going on with Okeechobee and, and the Everglades and stuff like that. Can you just kind of give us a, you know, what's how the keys have changed from when you were a kid to now and stuff? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of changes, man. I mean, I mean, it used to be basically like a, small little town mom and pop hotels everywhere and uh that kind of deal and now we have a Publix in Alamorada which I never would would have seen a Starbucks in Alamorada which would have never thought would come through you know and you know I think one of our first little uh like a Burger King McDonald's kind of Burger King popped up in Key Largo back in like uh oh I guess it was like 1990 and uh the keys and that was like the like a change like whoa hey, we're getting a, a burger king in town hey man this is great you know but then all of a sudden just everything kept coming and coming and coming yeah you know it's now it's become a lot of like a corporate world and people buying up these little mini homes and renting them out and it's and um it used to be a one share of town man it used to be like a you know everything would close up on nothing was open on sundays everything would close down after nine one or two sheriffs is all you see now you see you know 20 cops a day running down the road but oh, it's yeah. just uh it's it's changed you know it's become a big little city what do you think put on, on all... what do you think kind of like what, what kind of was the bump that um do you think people just started finding it and it was word of mouth or was there like anything on tv or anything or what happened how did it grow yeah i think they, i think they've done a lot of commercials and you know and things like that and i think it's for the good i mean it's definitely has changed a little bit as far as getting, you know, avid anglers down here versus more families down here. We get more families now. It's more family oriented where you get more kids, which is great. You know, having the kids and having them get into it is our next generations as far as fishermen, you know? So mm-hmm. that's true. I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. So you've been through a couple of hurricanes yourself down there, haven't you? I have man. A few. Yeah. And uh, so this last one, how now i don't want to i don't want to like bring up you know bad memories and stuff i'm just curious from the fishing side of things and thank god you guys are safe and obviously bobby and i were in touch with you when all this stuff was going down but um you know when katrina went through the louisiana and stuff like that a lot of people said that the redfish fishing was better afterwards and i was just curious if you could tell us a story a little bit about the hurricane before you know before and after and what changed with the ecosystem and was it better after or worse after can you tell us 
Uh, yeah, it changed a little bit. I mean, it changed some of our uh, channels out back. It, it uh, we had some some moats and stuff that we'd fish uh, actually fill in. One of the main uh, channels that go into the Everglades National Park. I mean, it's a big mark channel. You know, Coast Guard Coast Guard markings. It completely filled in. So you uh, you really have to watch it going in there. But uh, you know, and as far as fishing, I mean, it was it's been about the same. What changed the fishing for us was that big. Uh, algae bloom they had up there where they released the water the the floodwaters out of lake okeechobee and it kind of came out of the clusahatchee and just came out and it was very nasty water killed thousands of fish up in that area east coast west coast both sides and it basically pushed fish towards us like our red fishing's gotten so much better because all those fish that did make it they all pushed this way and you know snook fishing got better uh, it's just uh, a terrible thing what happened to them but it made our fishing actually better i mean but you know i think their fishing is getting better again too but it's just uh it was just a bad situation when that happened yeah so the hurricane pushed that algae out or did or it didn't it yeah you know, yeah it pushed yeah it pushes all the algae out anything that when a hurricane's in the way it'll push like we get algae blooms, it'll push it all out, out of the water. I mean, okay. push it away from us. So when you and when when you, me, and Bobby did that one awesome trip where we went up that creek and and caught some sharks and stuff, and I hooked that. I think I it was one tarpon, a little baby tarpon. I hooked. It. I remember it was awesome. If you remember, oh, yeah. she yep. got that bull shark. Is that so? Is that still good, or is that is that not as good anymore? Oh, no, that's still really good. Those places like that are very unique because, uh, you know, it's like a little channel where most, mostly all those fish that get stuck up in those little estuaries, they kind of come through this little channel. So okay. it's just different times. They get really good. Different times they get, you know, slow, you know. But, yeah, right. it's, it's still very good. Cool. Yeah. So I want to switch gears for a second and talk about um, seasons and kind of like A, B comparisons and stuff there's kind of a wet season down there and a dry season. Um, what does that mean? Wet versus dry season? Well, wet is a rainy season. You know, it's, uh, basically, um, summertime, you know, uh, we get the wet season, uh, hurricane season is, is our wet season. That's our wet season basically. And, uh, a lot more water in different areas, you know, in the, in the wintertime, it'll get, well, that's our dry season. It's very, you have big tides and you'll have like spots back there where you can actually get stuck. Actually, a friend of mine got stuck back there uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had to spend a night out there because he pushed up in too far and got up on a flat and tide dropped so fast and so quick. And they had to spend a night. Is that because of the moon phases, Rich? Is that why the tides because of the moon? Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's moon phases. Moon phases. And, um, That's a lot. You know, if you're like in Miami or uh, Orlando in the middle of summer, it's really hot. But tell everybody, you know, hot, hot summers for you in the Keys, they're, they're still hot, but they're not as, as kind of as bad as you think. I know you guys escaped no. to Maine, Maine a little bit, but um, yeah. what's, it, what's the weather like in the summer versus in the winter and then in the spring, because we're going to talk about tarpon season too, but let's talk about temperatures yep. and what's tolerable. Well, you know, on the water, it's tolerable even in the summertime, but it's, you know, as long as you have a little bit of a breeze, if you get, don't get a breeze and yeah, it can get kind of sticky, you know, where you're sweating through your shirt or something, but typically it's, you know, maybe 92, 93 on the water. It's just when you hit land is when you're going to melt, you know, cause it's like, 
sometimes there's no breeze or you're on the lee side of the island and you know that can get very hot mm-hmm. but on the water it's 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 pretty decent in the summertime right wintertime i mean we just had like a cold week last week where we're in the fifties and this week we're already back up in the seventies going in the eighties, you know, today I think it hit 80. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just in our winter and our winter stuff, is just like a little winter blast. You get like a, uh, front that comes through, it'll push through and you'll have maybe a little cold spell for the week. Maybe it go into two weeks and boom, we're just already warming back up and fishing gets good again, you know? Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite time of year, Rich? My favorite time of year is every every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day, any any day is a good day, you know. I mean, on the water, it's like you know, it's just it changes all the time. It just depends, you know. Typically, sometimes like carpet season is a specific season when they've got migrators coming through, where it's it can be really good and catch a lot of fish. Which is, you know, tarpon season is, you know, basically late spring till, you know, and it's running in the summer, you know, when these fish will start pushing, pushing out, you know, so. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted you to explain, because when I first started fishing down there, I thought that, oh, I'm going to go to the Keys and there's always going to be tarpon there. There's always going to be permit there. And there are resident fish and stuff, which we're going to talk about, but there are seasons and I, and I wanted to help to set the expectation for people that um, if you're specifically going for tarpon or bonefish or redfish, can you talk about the seasons of some of these kind of treasured game fish? Um, you mentioned tarpon late spring into summer. Can you go through some other species and seasons, please? Yeah. I mean, we have tons of resident fish here. Tarpon, I can catch pretty much year round you know because they're here we have you know every marina has tarpon because we feed them all the scraps um so there's tarpon you can just just about catch year round uh bone fishing i can catch them year round it's just sometimes different seasons out of the year you know where it gets really good I and mean, i like the october november december for bonefish uh but still you can catch them you know i like catching them in april and may but i'm i'm actually targeting more tarpon than i am that you know uh bonefish so but permit are the same way they kind of run the same kind of times where they they'll actually go out back and forth to the wrecks to spawn uh permits so you'll catch them in between going in and out so which is which is pretty cool you know they'll be out on the ocean sides versus the back backcountry flats so uh, that's those three and you have snook reds and trout which is a year-round fish too for us uh but there's just different times you can catch them better, you know, like the same thing, like the October, November, December, September, October, November, December for snook outback is, is wonderful. You know, uh, redfish is about the same, uh, as far as if you want better, bigger numbers, you know, so. Do they like it warm? Very- red, red, like redfish and bonefish, are they, do they like the water to warm up or cool down? Just they curious. do like it warmer. Yeah. That's when I'll get up on the flats, you know, and, and get up, on the flats more you like not when it's super hot but when it's a nice temperature you know between that 70 and 78 degrees you know they don't want to be burning up up there because when it gets really hot they'll get off the flats and into the deeper moats so mm-hmm. okay cool um and there are uh, there are other species as you know like i'm a huge jack i love to go for jacks and just chum up and get those guys uh going yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna lead you here a little bit jacks grouper hogfish Yep. um look downs those types what are some other 
fish that people don't hear about too much? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of them, but that's a year round, year round kind of stuff too, to catch right there. I mean, it's just, uh, we were catching big jacks today. I mean, 15 to 20 pounders. And, uh, that was just a bycatch trying to catch a tarpon today. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're a blast to catch and they're year round too. So, mm-hmm. and, and Rich, sometimes you do night fishing, which I haven't, I don't think we've done that yet. And I want to do that yep. with you. What's that all? What's that like? And why do you do it? Why? Because, uh, the uh, tarpon are pretty much like a nocturnal feeder. They feed very well at night. Easy pickings for them to pick out like a, a crab or something like that. Very, and on the full moons, they can see very well. They can see anything floating, any kind of fish, any kind of fly, any kind of thing you throw at them at night. It is uh, a very cool experience and, and pretty uh, satisfying as far as numbers go because usually you'll, I'll get two to one versus two to three actually i mean two to maybe probably five bites at you know uh during a day oh hold on a second i messed that up i get more bites at night than i would during a day so so to speak right right and um do you i mean you live on the water so you can acclimate to night fishing and stuff have you found that when people go out at night they're amazed how their senses kind of start to acclimate and, and can see, or is it like, is it really hard to see? No, it's actually pretty easy to see. It's more like feel. Uh, it depends if I go on a night where there's no moon or I go on a night where there's a moon. If there's a moon out, it's sometimes almost like, you know, like it's a light sun out or something. You can see very well. Uh, but typically as soon as you say, Hey, I just hooked up, I start turning on a big spotlight and you can watch the whole show. But typically we're going for big tarpon, you know, all between the range between a hundred to 200 pounders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, we've also had a, a pretty awesome experience with you with, um, Goliath grouper. Um, have oh, you, yeah. have you yeah. since hooked any, any Goliaths like you did with Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. We hooked one. Uh, I don't know maybe three months ago uh you know had some other ones not as big but we hooked them about three months ago it was like big as a volkswagen it, it hauled us around for a couple hours uh, <laughs> before we could ever actually even get a visual on it once we got the visual they were kind of done with it and we we let him go yeah they are he was probably a good 100 pounder yeah they are massive they're awesome they are just so awesome um well that's cool so um Rich, I don't know if it's changed, um, you know, like with with COVID and all this stuff. I mean, you've been through this pandemic and stuff so far. I was curious about it still being as busy or not as busy. And um, if you talk from, from a busyness standpoint, um, first of all, what's it like since COVID happened? Are there less people there? And then um, seasons that there might not be as many people. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, when COVID hit, uh, basically, uh, the last year I lost probably a good 75% of my business because of, you know, everything shut down. There was nothing, nothing open, no hotels. They were shut our road down, uh, and all that. And since then it's been kind of coming back a little bit. I think people are, because they can't get out of the country. A lot of them, they don't want to go out of the country. They don't want to. So we're getting a lot of drive ups and walk ups and last minute people 
but it has been somewhat kind of busy, but not as busy as usual, you know, uh, last month and, and into this month. And I'm getting a lot of phone calls. I'm starting to get a lot of, uh, bookings again. Uh, so it's starting to seem like it may be on an upswing as far as, uh, fishing wise goes, but, uh, I know that I won't get a lot of, uh, this year, my repeats that come out for tarpon from, from, you know, England and my Brits and stuff like that over that way. I won't get them, which is a big, uh, a big part of my business because they do a lot of the night trips. Those guys are all about big fish or, you know, mm-hmm. or go home, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an off season for sure this year too. So in the regular season, is the winter busier than the summer? Uh, it's, it's about the same. Is it yeah, really? I'm, I'm busy from, yeah, I'm busy from like January through all the way to the end of June. I mean, I can fish as, almost as much as I want. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's talk kind of geography for a second. We're going to talk about the upper, middle, middle, and lower keys and also – kind of you know the everglades and stuff and i'm gonna tell you what how i feel and and you can correct me and tell me if i'm right or wrong but i feel like uh key largo and isla Mirada are in a great spot in regards to the keys i mean it's a couple hours to get to key west when you first get onto the chain of islands and the farther down the keys you go, the longer it takes to really get into the back country. That is, that's, that's my opinion. So I, and obviously we, you know, we love you guys. So we like seeing you. So that's where we always go, but tell me what you think geographically and ecosystem wise is different with the fishing and stuff from the upper middle and lower. And also if you can refer to the upper middle, middle and lower by the, by the, the names of the islands, I'd appreciate it. So everybody knows about it. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Key Largo is, uh, kind of a nice little place because, uh, it's near Biscayne Bay. So it's one of the places that are great for, uh, you know, some bone fishing, permit fishing, a uh, little tarpon stuff like that. They get back in those little estuaries. Uh, then you got the Oceanside Flats that run all the way down to Isla Mirada, which are like Isla Mirada and Key Largo are kind of like hand in hand because they're right there together. It's like 10 minute, 15 minute extra run from Isla Mirada to get to Key Largo and fish all those same zones. And the nice thing about Isla Mirada is, I mean, you're straight across getting to the Everglades National Park, fish all that backcountry area up into Shark River, East Cape, Flamingo redfish snook all you want also a little tarpon and trout and jacks and snappers all through that area same thing you have all the oceanside flats for tarpon bonefish and permit um then you know then you get down towards the middle islands you know marathon in that area it's it's big for tarpon uh but then when you get down past that and get into key west it becomes like you know you got to run across to uh you know, different islands out there to uh, fish for permit and bonefish, but tarpon fishing down there is a little bit different. It's not like uh, the same as we have here uh, where they kind of cut across the Gulf and they kind of, they actually start showing up here first before anywhere else, like right here in Alamorada, just they come across the Gulf. Um, so it's just a little, like Key West is definitely out of my range. I don't do much of that anymore, but uh, it's, it's, uh, there's still some good fishing down there. 
-hmm. it's just so far to get to you know yeah it is (laughs) i know as a crow flies it's not too bad but it although it's farther than you think i mean when you really look at it it's a ways it's a hell of a hell of a ride if you're gonna go down there um it's a ways of traffic (laughs) (laughs) um so in regards to kind of like bait fish and um and stuff that happens, I know, like, I've always talked to you, it'd be great if I ever hit that worm hatch. I don't think I ever will unless I live there, which I hope I do someday. But aren't there, yeah. aren't there, like, different times of year? Like, we have hatches for trout. Aren't there different times of year where there's kind of bait runs? Or not yeah, really? Yeah, I mean, we get, well, we get bait, you know, the mullet, the mullet run, which is, uh, which is a great time, you know. It's it's not like up in the uh, intercoastal where they get them up in uh, Miami and Lauderdale like that, where they get those big bait runs running across the beaches and stuff. Ours end up they get this estuaries up back in the park, and then we'll have the mullet come start pushing through, and they'll come right through the channels here for fishing. But yeah, I mean it's just different times of the years we get the we get bait runs, you know, okay. pilchards, mullet, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um. One of the things that we never did with you, but I definitely want to do, um, is you talked once about some of these backcountry trips that you do. And back when we talked about it, you were you sounded pretty excited about doing them and doing them with the girls, um, your girls, that you would take a canoe, put the canoe on the skiff, and you'd go back and you'd camp and do some stuff way back in the back country. Now I'm getting a little bit outside possibly the, what your company does for trips. I'm a little bit more yeah. on the adventure side of things right now, just explaining to people what the Everglades and the back country you could do. So just imagine you and I are retired right now. We both have yep. boats. We got the kids. Tell me about like some dream adventure adventure trips you can do back there just like i take my jeep and camper and we go into the adirondacks or up in maine and and do backcountry camping backcountry for you guys is what talk about that it's so cool when you talk about it please um yeah give us yeah i mean uh it it is pretty cool i mean you can actually there's probably i think um 30 to 40 little camps out there they're not little camps they're just like a four by eight platform with a little porta potty on it and you can actually you know canoe your way all the way through these uh little creeks and little narrow channels and spend the night at each and every one of them if you wanted to and make the whole trail through of it, it i mean it'll take you a little bit of time probably a week or two but uh if you want to do that a whole stretch i mean it's it's way out in the back country and uh it's all very doable with you know a canoe or a little electric motor or something like that you can get all the way through it or you can just go out for the day you know take your like you said put the boat put the canoe on the boat and and, uh, run out to some areas and you know fish maybe four or five different miles of uh you know little creeks and stuff like that and get back to your boat and bring it back bring it back home bring your canoe back home or you can take your boat out there and and be out there for you know days the backcountry is it goes on and on it goes all the way to everlade city it's a long ways so if you I mean, let's miles and miles and miles, let's just say we could, whether it was just you and me or, or you and me and the family, and we were going to yep. do the, the trip that you were going to plan that you really wanted to do down there. What would you do? What would be the trip you'd do backcountry wise? Uh, you know, that would probably be one of them where we could go out and, you know, spend on, spend those nights on those, 
you know, like that. I wouldn't want to be out there too long with the kids, but maybe a few days, you know, with them, but, uh, cause they're still, you know, kind of young seven and 12, but, uh, yeah, get them out there. We're, uh, like, you know, adventure some of that cause they haven't really had that much of that kind of adventure. I've taken them down, you know, Hell's Bay and all that kind of stuff, these different little areas out there. And, uh, we've had some great times, but we've only done it for like the day where we come back and we spend the night on hard land back at the Flamingo. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's pretty cool, man. To be able to do something like that for like a week or so would be, would be fun. How did Flamingo do with the, with the storm and everything? Is every, when we were down there after the hurricane, there was a lot of mangroves that looked like they got messed up. Um, how, how, what's, yeah. what's Flamingo like? It's, uh, it's back, it's back up and running They're They're, uh, you know, they, they get some flooding damage over there, but they're back up and running and everything's back to norm. They are, I think they considered on putting in little uh motel and stuff and like that over there better can a better uh, restaurant and that thing so they're building stuff over there to uh make it better mm-hmm. but uh that was all that was already in our works before the hurricane but right. now they're i think they're coming forth with it and they're going to do it now and you know i'm kind of like uh, talking as if everybody knows what flamingo is but what can you explain where that is and what that is because that's kind of that's kind of out there can you explain Flamingo and some yeah. of those other way out places? You mentioned Everglades City. I don't know much about that either. Yeah, Flamingo is like the heart of the area where we kind of fish over in the park. It's the Everglades National Park. It's where the visitor center is at the very end of uh, the road there as you, as you go through Everglades National Park. Very cool. A lot of times you'll see ibises and flamingos out there. That's why they named it Flamingo because you would see them out there walking on the flats. It's like a travel spot for them to come through, and you'll see them. Uh, but that's a big area where we fish quite a bit. Lots of like natural channels, and you know, natural little runoffs and stuff like that out there. Lots of islands. Uh, beautiful place to camp. Beautiful place to fish. And Everglades City is is where? That's like a lot further uh, north of uh, Flamingo. It's. Uh, that's like up near Chukaluski towards like if you're heading towards Marco Island, okay. that area. Got that's, it. That's where that would be. Okay. It's so out of up. my range. Yeah. It's out of my range of fishing, but uh, people do go there to fish too. That's all still Florida Bay, right? Uh, Yeah. Kind of Florida Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it's it. On the West coast. Neat. Cool. Um, well, that's, that's awesome. So um, if, if you, can take a moment also and i want you to to plug the business the it looks like the website's changed and stuff the website and um let's also give people a sense of what it costs to do some of these trips and they're worth every penny but talk about um how people get a hold of you and and the cost of some of the trips well the best way is just call me direct uh or uh you can go online you can call me at my number which is 305 three six zero three two six two or you can go online to uh dot com, and then all my rates are on there you know kind of you know what you like to do a four six hour eight hour tour uh i suggest like a four hour if you're just getting into it or six hour because uh, eight hours is a kind of a long day for people <laughs> who don't realize how much it takes out again the heat you know and everything yeah uh, but yeah that's pretty much it. I mean, you can find all, all the information on there as far as prices and everything. Uh, I did go up on my prices this year uh, for the first time in probably four or five years. So 
I think it was kind of Duke's. Is, uh, oh, moved okay. to, I moved to a new marina. Yeah. Oh, did you? Where'd you go? I moved to uh, the Postcard and Marina, which oh. is uh, about three miles north of uh, Worldwide Sportsman, where I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved there, which is really nice because it's uh, a covered slip, so it's in the shade. So when you're pulling in the afternoon, I can actually sit there and talk to you versus, you know, being in the heat and wanting to run. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that's great. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, on your personal life, so a a little bit about living down there, you're married with two kids, right? Yep. Yep. And the girls are how old again? Seven and 12. Seven and 12. And, um, your wife's a teacher, which is really cool. And, uh, you know, living down there and stuff, what is it? Any different? I mean, would you say like you're living kind of like this tropical keys life or what do you think the kids would say? Do they, do they yearn to be anywhere else or what's it like living down there? It's kind of like a tropical, you know, keys life. Basically it's very, uh, you know, we're on an Island and uh, it's kind of nice. It's a little expensive. It's pricey to live down here. It's not uh, cheap by all means uh so uh i mean other than that i mean I'm, we're busy all the time these kids love it here you know they yeah. love fishing they're really getting into it more and more each and every day every time it's like non-stop i'll come home from fishing dad can we go fishing okay you know <laughs> i try not to never say no but there's times when i'm tired i have to say all right guys let's can we right. wait a couple of days <laughs> i just got in from like a four-day stretch or five-day stretch yeah, but, that's uh, yeah, great. They get it, you know. Yeah. God, I, I, we do miss seeing seeing the kids and stuff, but um, yeah, we miss you guys. Um, so boats too, Rich, and I didn't. I have this on my notes to mention it to everybody that I know. We talked about the backcountry and everything, but you don't yep. exactly just get in a boat and go ripping across the uh, across the bay to get to Flamingo. You got to know what the hell you're doing, um, which is one oh, of the reasons. Which is one of the reasons why hiring somebody like you, um, you know, is really important. But there, yeah. when you go down there, you see, I notice you see, um, you see like three different types of boats, in my opinion. You see flats boats, you see bay boats, and then you see these offshore rigs, you know, offshore boats. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about boats and why there are different ones down there it's not there are a lot of different places to fish so um, yeah. can you talk about that for a second okay well the uh the offshore boats are mainly for you know the big boats are mainly for uh going offshore trolling you know uh for like your sailfish your wahoo your mahi mahi uh stuff like that maybe swordfish uh they do all that stuff and bottom dropping deep dropping you know that kind of thing where they're out there in the ocean you know deep water they need deep water to run uh, if they can handle you know big seas all that kind of stuff uh, and then you have the bay boats which is the next kind of slap down which is like a 22 to 26 foot you can still get out there on nice days you know and play around on the reefs and the patches we call patch reefs you know shallow water reefs uh fishing for different fish out there too you know uh snappers groupers you know the hogfish like you mentioned jack snap you know all that kind of stuff 
and then you can also get into the park, which is the Everglades National Park. You can you can get out there and fish all the moats, the deeper channels, and the bays and stuff like that. You can get out into the Gulf, fish the Gulf wrecks, uh, fishing for mackerel, cobia, all those kind of things on the edge of the Gulf and the bay boats. And then you have the flat skiffs, which uh, are, are kind of like uh, unique because you know you can get up and pull around, sight fish people like to fly fish and sight fish with bait or artificial, but you can still get into all the little nooks and crannies and, and, uh, stuff like that too, like which a bay boat could, but the unique thing about them is you can get in real shallow water and, uh, super shallow. I mean, you can get within a foot, six inches if you wanted to and, um, pull across the flats, which is a unique experience. It's so, uh, pretty cool. Rich, your last time you had the Ranger, do you still have that boat? I still do, yes. Yeah. So, how many horse you got on that? I've got a 150 on that one. Okay. So, I have been looking at, um, you know, flats boats and stuff. I just like looking at them and everything, and skiffs, I should say. Yes. Yeah. There's actually, a, yeah. uh, there's, there's a need for skiffs up here, too. It's just a little bit different. Um, but there are, I would call them these micro skiffs. Okay. There, I see a lot of advertisements and trust me, I, I don't know how people can pay, you know, $50,000 for a boat that's got like a 40 or 60 horse on, on it, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I have never been in a situation where we couldn't get someplace with your boat with a 150 on it and your boats, how long? Eight, what was it? 20? Or 18? 19. My, 19. My one of the bigger flat skiffs is a 19, yeah. Yeah, and it's a comfortable boat. It's a it's a great boat to be on because th- when the three of us are on it, it's great. But Yeah, it's very comfortable. What is the, what is the allure or what is the need for some of these, what I'm going to call micro skiffs? What's the deal with this coming out? It's just uh, to get into skinnier water. Like, say, for, and if you're pulling all day, like if you're going to pull all day, which... I don't do a lot of pulling all day anymore. I'll, I'll do a couple hours, uh, you know, here and there. But if you want to pull all day long, the lighter the boat, the more, you know, you can pull, you know, all day. Push your boat around, which I've had the lights. I've had the light boats, the little dolphins, a little Hell's Bay, a little Hell's Bay boat. It's great. But, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I don't pull as much as I used to uh, doing doing all the sight fishing, you know, which I which I still love, but it's just, I don't do as much of it like I used to. That's why you have the micro skiffs and the real shallow, shallow water boats that are very light boats, you know? So. Yeah. That makes sense about polling and stuff, but like really getting back there, can, can those boats get to places you can't? Uh, maybe on, maybe on some days, depending on the tide, you know, but I play the tides and I can get pretty much just about every place they can go to. Mm-hmm. You just gotta, you just gotta play the tides, right? So a lot of it is just a lighter boat to maneuver and pull and push, right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. Got it. Got it. Yep. That's cool. Do you still have the Mitzi, by the way? Do you sell the Mitzi? I actually ended up selling it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool boat. A really cool boat. I, I, yep. I was telling last time we were down there, I wanted that boat, and Bobby's like, "We've got, you know, we've got the kids. What, you know, we need a bigger boat." And but I do love boats. Yep. That was a great boat. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I would have had room to keep it. If I had a bigger space, I would have kept it. <laughs> that, that is but it's one, of the, one of the micro skiffs, you know, it's a very small boat, gets around everywhere, very light, very easy to pull, you know. So. Yeah. How many horsepower was on that boat? It was a 40. 
40 and you, you could run two people on that boat very easily. Couldn't you? Yeah, it was basically set up for, you know, no more than three, but uh, two would be great. You know, like yeah. me and somebody else. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's 40 horse is not like terribly huge. And, um, no. and the, that's, that's just a cool, and that those boats fly, which is really, really neat. Yeah. So, um, so, all right. So final, I'm going to do kind of final plug for you, Rich. So you do, yeah. you do fly, you do lure, you do bait, you do nighttime, daytime, you do backcountry, not necessarily camping trips, but you do backcountry runs into the, into Flamingo and stuff like that. Is there anything I'm missing? Mm, maybe uh battery fishing, golf, out into the golf. That'll be the only, only two. Yeah, the only other two right there. So you would say the golf stuff is like when we did um, triple tail and uh, the permit on the racks and stuff. Is that what you'd call golf? Yeah, yeah, that was the goal. Yeah, I remember we caught the permit out there, and yep, out yeah, there, yep. yeah, I know. I'm, I, we've, we had a, a picture done of the permit. I had a, um, I had a mount made of the huge snook. Remember that that same day we got the permit, we oh, got yeah. that huge snook. Yep, yep. And yeah, that's all the gold stuff. And then we got that that enormous Goliath grouper. Um, I just want to yeah. get it on tape that you believed. Yep. How big was that fish that my wife caught with without even a a a belt on just with regular gear. How big do you think that Goliath was? She got. It was at least four foot. How many pounds? Was, uh, I can't remember. I don't know. Was it 250, 300, something like that? Oh man. I was going to say, I was going to say it was like a hundred pounds just to bust your chops, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was hundreds of pounds, right? Yeah. It was at least 50. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it four. was, I think yeah, back it was, when it was back, big. Back when I asked you about the mount, I think you were saying three, three fifty, something like that, or whatever. But um, yeah, I can't remember exactly. Was, but yeah, I mean, it was awesome. We got a lot of great pictures, and that what's so cool about that fish? That fish was in like eight feet of water, and you know, yeah, that was yep. just a, just absolutely amazing. Awesome. So, all right, sir. Well, do you got any questions for me before we wrap it up? No, man. I hope you guys are doing good. See, the, see the little kiddos are getting big, man. Unless they are. Yeah, about the get together some point they are and you know that was another question i was going to ask you is what what would you say is the minimum the youngest age you would allow somebody to bring their kids on your boat to go for a trip you know it just depends how long of a trip you want to do i've had kids you know that are you know i've had you know kids probably like four or five years old uh but uh you know you just we just make the trip where it's only a couple hour trip, catch yeah. some snappers and, and the rod right. kind of stuff and go back to the dock. You know, we just shorten a trip up. Yeah. But a four uh, hour but, trip, know, like a, a four hour trip with my five year old yeah, son. Trip, yeah. Four hour trip for a five year old is too long, but like maybe like a seven, eight, nine year old. Yeah. I'd say, okay. It just depends on their endurance, you know, as far yeah. as what they can, what they, okay. think they can handle. Yeah. And you can get under the, by the way, you can get under the bridges a little bit, get 